You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday evening to you. It seems so weird saying Wednesday compared to Friday, but happy Wednesday evening to you all. Welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live. Joining us this evening, making his long overdue return to the program from Striper, Michael Sweet. How are you, my friend? I'm good, buddy. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm really good now. I'm really good. We got internet back, working good. I've got a good pal on the show here. We're going to talk about a mutual love of this Van Halen band, and uh, I think we've got some great fans in the chat that are anxious to hear about it as well. Nice to have you I back. I was going to say, you're not, you're not a Van Halen fan, are you? I like them a little <laughs> bit. I, I, I collect some of their stuff, and you know, I, I, you know, I like some of the guitar riffs that guy does. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm also, He's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, he is. I'm also a fan of that other uh, stripey band, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Black and yellow, man. Yeah. Well, there's some debate over, you know, whether or not we stole some of those striped ideas from Van Halen. I don't know if we stole them, but we, I'm sure we were inspired by them, you know? Who was uh, it? That first yellow and black guitar. I mean, my brother... I remember my brother, uh, not long after that, taping his drum set up, very similar to that guitar. Mm -hmm. So I think the inspiration certainly helped us to evolve into what we are today, you know? Well, look at, look, I mean, it's not just you guys. I mean, that was that was the fans that you were of the music. There was a lot of stripes going on at that time. I know Eddie kind of, you know, took it to the really cool levels. But yeah. guitar manufacturers were doing kind of crazy things, and people were striping yep. drum kits and different patterns, like you know, obviously like your brother. But there's, everything was going in a stripe pattern to kind of pay yeah. homage or tribute to what they did. You're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And a lot of bands at the time too. I, I don't know if you recall. You remember, of course, Quiet Riot. Kevin Dubrow. He used mm-hmm. to wear striped pants. Yeah. A lot of bands from the Hollywood uh, Sunset Strip and. Uh, uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, all the clubs down there. A lot of bands wore striped clothes. Mm-hmm. We just took it to a different level. We took it to everything was striped, you know. That's right. Now, did you did uh, this is a silly question? Did you have the name Striper before you went with the idea of striping things, um, or how did where did that come in? No, we did not. Actually, as I said, uh, you know, my brother striped his kit first. Okay, right, right, right. And, yeah, and that was maybe I'm gonna say probably somewhere around eighty two. 1981, maybe mm-hmm. even. Okay. 81, And then it, it started turning into Robert saying, hey, man, yeah, let me work on your guitar and I'll stripe it up. And he would take tape and put tape on yeah. it and then varnish it. A beautiful, I had a beautiful gold top Les Paul and he put yellow and black tape over it. Oh, no. And, and man of war over it. Yeah. And at the <laughs> time, I didn't care. Sure. But now looking back, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what was I yeah, what's wrong with me? You know, was I crazy? Yeah, uh, obviously so. And then it went from the guitars being striped to we striped cables. We found anything black and yellow that we could we could purchase. We started dyeing clothes, white and black clothes in yellow dye. Mm-hmm. Everything became black and yellow. That's and what... that was before striper. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's not an easy thing to do either because I remember striping overalls when I when I did the Van Halen tribute. I had white overalls. I, it would have been a lot simpler if I could have bought red and just put right. white and black stripes on. But I bought white, and I went through probably twelve boxes of red uh, fabric dye. And I remember, oh yeah, yeah, 
you know, just to get that dyed. And I would remember wearing a white T-shirt underneath that. At the end of the night when you would sweat, the white shirt would be all pink from the, the red coming off. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I get, I'm with you, and I relate, and I get it. Uh, we used to have big, giant pots on the stove, three or four of them at a time going filled with yellow dye and water boiling and we'd be dropping clothes in them. It's <laughs> the so way we used to do things. But you know what, though? I think it's kind of a brilliant thing, too. When striping the guitars and the drum kit and cables and everything else and a, on a dark stage, back in the, back in that day, it'd be the big par cans, not LEDs like we have today, and yeah. the heat and everything. But that yellow, black and yellow, I mean, the yellow, for that matter, would really show up yeah. in the lights. If you need a, your pedal board to illuminate, you got yellow. Guitars and chords, yeah. you're not going to trip over stuff. So true. Yeah. And I mean, you could literally walk into a dark venue and you could see the yellow. Yeah, you would. In the dark. You could see it. It's not that we had, you know, glow in the dark uh, yellow on everything, but it just popped out. And then obviously when the lights on were on, it almost it, it almost made I got dizzy sometimes mm -hmm. Look, looking at all the yellow because, I mean, literally everything was striped, even the stage. Mm -hmm. This was in Striper's heyday. Yeah. But. I, I like the idea too, and it's it was a probably an accidental. I'm sure. I mean, I wouldn't say accidental. I know you guys had a marketing idea going into it, but it became it became that brand, and uh, you know, it was very iconic. You know, that that just became the thing that you saw. It was, everything it, was striped, and and that image you thought about it right away. It did, man. And uh, you know, what what happened was as we, uh, you know. As we grew as a band and, and, and we went along from year to year, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, everything started to, you know, connect the dots. All the dots started to connect mm -hmm. and it made sense. And, you know, when we uh, came upon the name Striper, the way that happened is the label didn't like the original name, Rock's Regime. It okay. was too hard to, to remember, too hard to pronounce. So we changed it to Striper. They liked that. Then we found the scripture that went along with that. And then we made Striper an acronym. Salvation through redemption, yielding, peace, encouragement, and righteousness. And everything started to take shape, you know, and it just took a little time to for that to happen. Everything everything takes time, and you know, you don't unveil it before it's time, and it sounds like it, yeah. uh, it came came together nicely. Before Absolutely. We, before we jump into the full meat and potatoes of the show this evening, we'll roll up our sleeves here a little bit. Both of us are wearing long sleeves, but figuratively speaking, we'll roll up our sleeves. Uh, a couple things I wanted to say, too. This is a nice kickoff as well, too. We're celebrating a nice birthday here by... Uh, you know, a friend of mine, friend of yours, a fan of our show, a big fan and friend of yours and the family, Paul Perkins is celebrating his birthday today. A big happy birthday to Paul. Absolutely. And and I feel terrible because I didn't know it was Paul's birthday. I've been so uh, involved, uh, you know, and preoccupied mm -hmm. with uh, tour, pre-tour stuff. Exactly. And I didn't know it was Paul's birthday. And Paul's uh, not only a, a, an incredible fan, but an incredible friend, as I said to you earlier. And uh, I feel bad. So, Paul. God bless you, brother. Happy birthday. I hope it's the best, man. Happy birthday, Paul. And the only reason why I know, because I'm a friend of his on Facebook, so it you know how it always triggers and reminds you, right? So that was a good thing as well, too. So, yeah. <laughs> And I remember, too, and I'm glad I saw it on Facebook today, because when I posted the event about a couple weeks ago saying that you'd be coming on, and I said we were moving it to a Wednesday because of our internet issues and stuff like that, and we were also booked up heavy on Fridays, uh, Paul says, oh, that's going to be great. It's my birthday. So I was trying to make a mental note. Don't forget Paul's birthday. Don't, you know what I mean? So that's good. And the second funny story, I want to share some fun a funny thing with you. You don't know this first half of the story. You know the second half of the story. So when you had contacted me, um, you know, to come back on the show under a kind of a under the radar, and I didn't know it was you, I had, right. it's not the first time this has happened. Someone else contacted me, and I'm glad this happened sometimes, but 
I'm very protective now, right? You know, you're on the internet, you're like, okay, celebrity yeah. contact, you, you do, you do. And you know what it's like. I mean, people impersonate you all the time and everybody else yeah. that's out there. And, yeah. and I guess the big thing is what right now, I saw Steve Stevens posting something the other day on Facebook, or maybe it was Josie was one of them because they share their Facebook account. But he's like, you know, people being the imposter of you is the new, you know, um, you know, uh, I've got a million dollars in my bank account. I want to transfer it to you, blah, blah, blah. So that's the new scam is these <laughs> rock stars impersonating the other rock star asking for cash. I'll send you some eight by tens. I'll send you some set lists, oh, that kind of stuff. Right. But anyway, that's so before you contacted me, I uh, had a, a, fr- now, a person who's now a friend, Gary Holt, not the guitar player Gary Holt, but another Gary Holt says, hey, right. I can get you uh, Gary Kramer on, on your Kramer Corner show. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Gary Kramer from Kramer Guitars. I'm like, sure. yeah, sure, go away, right? And then he contacts me again, like, no, no, I'm serious, I'll get you. The-. And I'm like, I, I almost was like, okay, just let's let's talk about this. Let's get it out in the open. And, and I thought I was going to call his bluff. Sure enough, it's legit. Uh, we're now, the three of us are now friends. I did a documentary at his home and everything and, and, you know, out in Los Angeles, it was great. So I didn't believe it was you when you contacted me. I mean, I know I, I've got your cell phone number, you've got mine and we don't, we don't ever, you know, all we do is like happy birthday. I'll send you a happy birthday yeah. message. And I know I sent you a message when you had to, you know, put your, your, your dog down, you know, I'm very sorry yeah. about that as well. Uh, yeah, man. That, Thank you, buddy. Yeah. By the way. So other than that, you know, I tell people I don't I don't ring your phone off the hook. So I was like, okay, I don't know if this is you or not. So I sent Michael uh, a text message and I said two questions. Number one, do you have a alias on Facebook? And number two, did you just send me a message to the EVH page? And you're like, yep and yep. I'm like, okay, let's do this. So that was really funny how that all transpired. And it I'm- is funny. And you know what else is funny is uh, sometimes it, it, it long story, but the guy that started my Facebook account and, and kind of runs my Facebook account account his name is Kenneth Paul. Right. And his middle name is Paul. So I'm known as Kenneth Paul. All right. Mm-hmm. And online. And but I go in and I and I make remarks as Michael Sweet, but it comes up as Kenneth Paul. Oh, gotcha. I, I'm not trying to like hide behind Kenneth Paul. Mm-hmm. So when I sent that to you, I should have said, This is Michael Sweet, buddy. <laughs> and I still wouldn't have believed you. Kenneth Paul. <laughs> yeah. And I still wouldn't have believed you. The only thing that was a close resemblance was the black and yellow guitar. Yeah, you have a guitar in, in the in the hand, so that was pretty. Yeah, cool. there's a picture of me with Bob Dylan's face photoshopped. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious! Absolutely hilarious. So let's go say hi to a whole bunch of people. We got some love in the chat tonight. This is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna buzz through some names quickly here. David Glazner is here. Ricky Mees, my beautiful nocturnal butterfly. Jason nice. Wade. Kurt Pear and Nocturnal Butterflies and some of her mods as well are gonna be sharing links to all of your entities throughout the evening as well too. Beautiful. Uh, Mississippi Treasure Hunter is here. R two R three Locknet. Joe Hervey. Uh, let me see here. I'm gonna scroll down a little further. Jeff Humphreys music is here. Uh, continue down here. I know we have got a bunch of new fans as well. Brad Egan is here as well too. Paul Perkins there he is. T minus and two. He's hey, counting. hey right. Paul. <laughs> Rock and roll, buddy. Glad to have you here. Old guys guitar uh, vlog. Derek Merrill is here. Coffee drinker. Uh, that's Brian Cazell, another huge fan of yours and good friend of Paul Perkins. Did you say? Did you say Marilyn? Uh, no, um, uh, Merrill. Okay, Merrill. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and uh, I say Marilyn Merrill. works for us, and she's she's in here. <laughs> they never never know. know. <laughs> Derek Merrill, yeah. And uh, Brian Cazell, he's got a couple of your guitars as well. He's got a nice uh, striper corner of his house. He's got a Van awesome. Halen shrine and a striper shrine. Very very cool. Terry Himes is here. Uh, Tyler Morris is here. Very nice. Nice to have you. Tyler Morris is an incredible shredder. He's a Gibson guy. Young, I always okay. call him a kid. Tyler, buddy. Yeah, he's he's great, man. Uh, Blimpus is here. Joe Bentivania, that's the president of Yamaha Guitar Group, is joining our chat, which is nice. Oh, uh, beautiful. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and line six. Yep, a big supporter of our programs and a, a awesome. good friend. Thank you, Joe. Uh, let me see. What well, Brad Egan says? Wow, Michael Sweet. I saw Striper back in the day at Rock and Roll Heaven in Toronto. Oh, what a club! 
Oh, man. Rob Halford walked out on stage as a surprise guest that night. Did it break in the law and a few others? Do you remember? Would you remember that's way back? Dude, I was just going to say that. That's when Rob Halford came up and joined us on Breaking the Law. We used to sound check with Breaking the Law. Okay. We're big Priest fans. We're, as much as we are Van Halen fans. Right on. Uh, Priest was very uh, instrumental in our progression and, uh, you know, coming to be as a band. So when we, I was looking out in the crowd and I saw someone that looked like Halford. <laughs> okay, I was like, that guy's familiar. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And sure enough, it was Rob. They were performing the night after us in town. He came up on stage, and we did Breaking the Law with Rob. We've got it on video. Oh, nice. And add that to our documentary um, once we get around to doing that. Good, good. You, that's something you're going to be putting out in the next couple of years, do you think? Yeah, we've been working on it, but we're off to a slow start, man. It's going to be at least a few more years. Yep. We want to do it right. We don't want to rush it. Exactly. And it's going to be not just footage of the band and, and a rockumentary in that sense, but we want to talk to people whose lives have been altered yeah. in a good way through the band. Sure, that's good. It's, yeah, that... yeah, it's going to be really cool. That's the thing, too. I think you're doing a smart thing by taking your time because I'm sure like any act that's put out like a documentary or just a fan collage, as soon as you release it, you're probably like, oh, I wish we would have included this. Yeah. You know, so and there's still going to be things you're going to miss. I know you're going to miss oh, them, yeah. but you get, give yourself some time. Like one I saw that was it wasn't didn't take a long time to produce in, in grand scheme of things. But I'm a big fan of Great White. And I like what they yeah. did when they were recording their last record. They're kind of showing everybody what they did. And it was a short one, but it really right. made you feel like you're there part of it. Absolutely. And we want it to be right. And, uh, you know, if it takes two years, three years, Yep. hopefully not much longer than that but we want to take our time doing it we want to make sure that when it's done it's very special and it's very unique and it's 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 a one of a kind not just another typical uh documentary or rockumentary uh like everything else you've seen that's we right. want to make it different yeah that's good no that's obviously dedication to the fans and you can tell that you guys are all about that because if not it'd be a cash grab and you just get it out there tomorrow kind of thing so i appreciate that and respect exactly that. yeah uh, so that was Brad Egan's comment. Let's control, uh, scroll down a little further here, see if I miss anybody else. we got a lot of people. We've got over 100 smart people in the chat right now. Quentin James is here. Um, let me see. He's watching one of his streams earlier. He's a shredder guitar player extraordinaire. Uh, let me see here. Let me see. Scroll down a little bit more. Richard Henry says, hey, everyone, 2 a.m. over here. Had Stripers No More Hell to pay CD to get myself ready for tonight. He's cranking that to get ready. A question for Michael. How does he keep uh, his vocal range when a lot of guys have lost a higher end? That's a great question because you seem to have retained uh, like 99.9% of it. I, don't, I wouldn't say 99.9. That's very kind of you to say, but I, I would say more like maybe 75% of it. Okay. Uh, I've, I've kept some of it, but my voice has changed quite a bit over the past 30 years. And I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. I... Uh, let me put it this way, and I said this recently online. I can listen to my voice now more than I can listen to my voice then. Okay. Okay. I like the fact that it's dropped in range a little bit, that it's a little grittier. It's not as high as it used to be. That's okay with me. Mm -hmm. um, because I think, you know, my voice was so high in the 80s, but people liked it, apparently. A lot of the Striper fans liked it. and and still do but you know i i'm okay with the fact that my voice has changed a little bit i choose my battles when i have to hit a note on an album or live i choose my battles and i try not to to do too much so i can still pull it off live right well you if you're saying you're somewhere around 75 percent of your normal range have you ever has the band ever had to change tunings or arrangements or anything to, co to cover for that or no 
We haven't yet. Okay, that's good. That's a We've good sign. always tuned to Van Halen tuning, E flat. Nice. And uh and that is because of Van Halen, basically. Right. But um we have not changed from that tuning. We're still at E flat. But I I'll be honest with you. It's getting to the point where I'm kind of leaning towards dropping it down to D, you know, dropping it back a half step. Motley Crue range. I I, I am. I kind of like it. To go out on the road night after night, and the thing that kills me the most as a singer is when we go over to South America and we've got three in a row and we've got four and five a.m. lobby calls and we're flying to each show. Mm-hmm. It does a number on me. It would. And as each show, we get through each show, it's harder and harder to sing. So if we're down in tuning, it'd be a little easier to sing, a little less strenuous. But I don't want to get to that point where we're dropping back a step or a step and a half. Because uh, it, it gets to a point where it's hard to recognize the song at that, at that time. True, because you know? it does. Because people, our ears, it's kind of funny. Like, I'm an E-flat guy. And I, yeah. I would like to say I have perfect pitch for E-flat. I can tune right. a guitar no problem without even a tuner, but my E or my A is, you know, it's a half step down. It's like people are like, okay, you got a good ear, Eric, but you're not in tune. You know what I mean? I, I know, because you get so used to that. I know. And locked in. Yep. And we've been in E flat from day one. Uh, and I like how it feels when I'm playing. Slinky, isn't like, it? I've dropped guitars to D before for recording, mm-hmm. and I care for how it feels. Yeah. And, and I've gone to 440. I don't care for how it feels. Right. You know, it's I'm I'm very used to E flat. So it's it's with the twisted arm I say that. But that day may be coming. It hasn't yet. I know a lot of guitar players might think I'm crazy when I say this, but what I know what you mean by the the drop tuning like down in E flat, you know how the guitar responds and it, even when you want to get real feedback, you know, get it, feedback with your amplifier, just the slinkiness right. of the strings, the way I, I know the tuning shouldn't really affect that, but maybe it's just your mindset, but I know I can get better feedback if I'm if I'm in my comfort zone of that tuning. It does, it does affect it. It yeah. really does. And not just the feedback, but it affects the tone. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. You're, you're up at 440, it just doesn't have the meat and potatoes like it, it, it should. If you're down at D, sometimes it's 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 too loose. Yeah. You know, at E flat, it seems to be a perfect place to be. Um, at least it is for us. Have you guys taken any of your classic hits and maybe tried dropping them down to D and to see how they sound? Is it maybe it might destroy the song? Maybe it might sound awesome. Have you tried any songs yet just to see? Yeah, gosh. I'm trying to recall. I think we did that. Uh, I'm trying to think if we drop down the D or if we just drop the D, the, the low E down a full step so it would actually be C sharp. Okay. I think we did that on In God We Trust. So we re recorded that song on the album Reborn. Okay. Okay. And it's got a little bit of a, a more modern sound to it. It starts kind of like Terminator. Bah, 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 oh, that's bah, cool. Bah. And it's pretty heavy. It's cool, it, it, and we do that live, and it seems to go over very well. Oh, good, good. Well, that's good. That's good for sure. I'll read a few more names here, and then I want to jump over talk a little bit about your, your tour that's coming up, which is starting about two weeks, and then we're going to jump right into the uh, Van Halen territory, right in the deep end. Perfect. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> let me see here. Face Like Flint is here. Uh, Futon, there he is. Adam Reaver is here. He hey, says, hey, hey no, Adam. Kent. How you doing, man? Nice to, uh, nice to see you, Adam. Nice to have you Adam's here. Gonna be working on, Adam's going to be working on that guitar right there. i got to ship it to him. Okay. He's going he's gonna to go through it. It's, it won't stay in tune. I'm having a lot of issues with it. So he's going he's gonna to work on that for me. The middle V? 
the the oh, V right next. Oh, okay, to it. gotcha. Okay, good, good, good. I was. This is my import right here, the middle one. Okay. Uh, that's a nine ninety nine one, and then the one next to it is a custom shop, uh, thirty five hundred dollar guitar, right. and uh, I've been having some issues because I changed the springs on it. And it's not staying in tune like I want. So okay. it stayed in tune before that. It just isn't now. Perfect. You know something? I, I mean, I'm not going to say anything about uh, Adam because he knows what he's doing. But it's something he will maybe do. And I, I love doing this myself. It's his product. Even though you don't need is your Is your uh, Floyd flush on the bridge or does it float on that guitar? It floats. Okay. Um, so, so do you like to pull back on it? I do. I do a lot of where I'll hold a note and do the woo. Okay, right, yeah. Vibrato, nice. vibrato with the Floyd. Okay. What I do, I do a lot. What I do on my Floyds, because uh, all ninety percent of mine are on the body of the guitar. I use, right. and I don't pull back on them. But I even know that Floyd is not going to go backwards on my guitars. I still use his trem stopper. And, okay. and what I do there, and it's a good tip for guys that are using using flush Floyds, is even though it's touch is uh, flat on that body of that guitar, when right. you when you drop the D. There's a slight tension in that in that metal of the guitar, and it's not much. And even that wood on the guitar, depending on the composition of your your body, whether it be basswood or maple or whatever, it right. can still fluctuate millimeters. And to the ear, you might not hear it, but okay. on a tuner, if you put your guitar in a strobe tuner, you're going to notice a tiny bit of variance. So oh, yeah. I always use that um, trem stopper, and I call it kind of changing the point of zero where your trem hits the body. So now you're raising it a millimeter. Yeah. And it's just right. so perfect. But obviously, he won't use that for that guitar. But I know when you get it back, it's going to be a million bucks. I do, I do have an EVH guitar that has that on it. Okay. So I can't pull up with that one. Right. Uh, but it, it, it stays in tune great. But I'm so used to the floating mm -hmm. system that it's very awkward for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. But I love the fact that the tuning is like spot on. Yeah, that's good. Well, I was the opposite. I got a uh, bridge that was float two guitars that came with floating bridges. One was a Kramer, and one was a Line Six Variax, and um, and it has uh, the, pi the piezo system and the and the Floyd. And I thought, okay, right. there's no way I'm going to keep this floating uh, because I'm a I'm a flush guy. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn to adapt, and I did. And it is nice to have both, you know, a flush it's, and a floating. And, and I love it absolutely. When I recorded the last solo album. Uh, I took uh, a few guitars that are floating, and I took the EVH in with me. Oh, that's nice. And I used that on the album. It was kind of kind of nice because it it's got a different pickup in it, and uh, like I said, it's not floating and it, it, it floating, and it's a different wood, and it just had a different tone to it. But man, great sounds. Got some great sounds with that. Nice, nice. And as I was telling you last night, I was using Adam's pickups in uh, Junior's SG, and they sounded great. Beautiful pickups. Nice. Adam sent me a pickup. And I have not dropped it in a guitar yet, but so you're you're giving Adam's pickups a thumbs up. Oh, I am for sure because I'm a high gain guy. I like those Wolfgang pickups. Yes, I put them in, and uh, no, this is an SG, which is a very very light guitar. There's not yep. a lot of mass, not a, not a normal sustain in that guitar. Uh, right, and man, it just it just sang. All the fans last night were liking it. So it's got the output on those pickups is is on the higher end of yeah. The spectrum. I'll get Adam to comment in the um, in the chat. I'm going to venture a guess between thirteen fourteen k. I think somewhere in there, but I, I want to get his his exact numbers. I don't want to misquote. Um, yeah, I'm used to using pickups that are up in that range, or maybe even a little more, like in the in the uh, fourteen. Some of my pickups, like the blackouts Seymour Duncan blackouts, which I have in that guitar. Uh, I think they're up in the 15 range. Yeah, you know? that's high. 
Now, on the flip side of that, I've gotten a couple guitars that come in with low output pickups, and I know like these guys like Billy Gibbons and and uh, Mark Hendelgen from Great White, like we mentioned earlier. Those guys like to have like next to nothing, and that I know, you know, it's kind of weird, but I, it's nice too. It's it's neat to experiment. It's like again, like having that floating Floyd in a in a uh, you know a rest. No, yeah, yeah, it's just the best. I agree. Ones. I mean, it just depends on what you're going for. But there's a there's a, a guy by uh, a company by the name of Pariah Pickups. Are yeah, I know familiar? them. Oh, I know them. Yeah, he's Canadian up here this way. Yeah, he's great, and uh, he's made me some pickups, and they sound killer, and they're lower. Mm-hmm. Made me some just for fun. He made me some uh, uh, covered humbuckers that are seven point seven. Oh, I, got, I love <laughs> that. Yeah, I love yeah, it. And they're killer. They sound phenomenal. I mean, they're it's not a metal pickup, but man, they they just sing. They have such a nice sound. That's cool. I would I would think that would sound nice in one of your PRS. I know you've got lots of PRS guitars. Maybe in one of the PRSs would be nice. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And then I just got some Jeff Loomis pickups I'm dying to try. Okay. Those and those are the high output blackouts, but they're a little little different voicing. So I'm I'm curious to see how those sound too. Right on, right on. Uh, Kurt Paris here, Paul Perkins uh, saying hi to some other people in the chat. Janice Lala is here. ASD, uh, I always say his name wrong, AZD uh, is here. He knows who he is. Uh, Brad Miller <laughs> says, hey, Eric, we'll be listening. may not be too interactive. Please ask Michael um, why there's no Central Florida tour dates at this point. And actually, we're going to be getting into tour in a moment. Um, Florida just not on the radar at the moment? Yeah, you know what happens, man? Promoters. Some, some people online uh, get upset. Uh, I'm not saying he's upset. No, no. I'm saying some people get upset if we're not coming through their neck of the woods. And sometimes they take it personal and they think that we're avoiding them or we're purposely not going there. And it's really not like that at all. Yeah. Uh, sadly, what happens is we just don't get the offers that are able to line up mm-hmm. and meet our needs. And sometimes we have to skip a town or two. Uh, we don't like doing that, but it's unfortunate, but, you know, it's reality sometimes. That's right. No, I hear it all the time with every single guest that comes on the show because fans will always ask. And, and a lot of fans, they just don't know, right? It's not that they're ignorant or anything else. They just don't know how it works, logistics. And yeah. it's like, oh, come come to Boise, Idaho. We'd love to. And I'm sure in a lot of cases, you know, it's not like back in the day when, you know, you guys would load up in the car and do it for gas money, you know, or maybe some burgers or something. You know, or, there's... Yeah. Or before, when we would do backyard parties, we'd have to, we would literally have to mow the lawn before we'd play. You know? <laughs> Those I, days are gone. <laughs> I know. So it's logistics, and then on top of that, okay, we're going to go to Boise now. We need okay, what's the two surrounding cities we can you know route to you know compensate you know True. yeah. So it's a lot of logistics. So good so question. So many, and it, and it just you know sometimes we'll literally skip a town over and over and over again year after year, and, and we start to feel really bad about it because mm-hmm. gosh, we really want to go there. Yeah. But we That's right. I know. It must, it must be a real drag as well, too. Um, and I know, speaking of local, uh, the tour, you'll be up my way in about two weeks. You're hitting Toronto, the Rockpile, which I've played at. It was one of the last club I ever played at was Rockpile. But I'll come up and see you. I'll bring a couple of my Toronto buddies. Oh, awesome, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. And the people there are great. We love the Rockpile. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it's one of the areas that we're not able to get to on a consistent basis. Right. Because it's just hard to route and hard to make it work. Sometimes. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good. It's one of the last few in our area. I mean, there's still a few, but I mean, they're drying up here yeah. in Canada, and it's a it's a good rock bar. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. And there's two of them, right? Two rock piles. That I didn't know. Oh, yeah, there was one downtown. I think, and this one's out. The other one's out in Etobicoke, isn't it? I think. Yeah, we played both of them, but the one you're referring to, we've played many times. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the one outside a little bit. Yeah, and Lynch Mob's coming up that way as well too, very right yeah. soon too. 
Yeah, awesome. I always get excited to go there, man, because the bar food they serve, yum. Yeah. Good stuff. And that doesn't always go hand in hand. <laughs> Some parts you don't want to eat at. Old Guy's Guitar Vlog is here. Kurt Pear, I think I said that. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Stephen Hurd is here, and I'm going to try to scroll on this chat a little bit. It's locking up on me, so I'll probably try to come back to it. There's a question from Lars. Uh, Lars Guitar says, uh, does Michael still play the GMW guitar? You know what? Uh, here's the story with GMW. Oz uh, was using GMWs first, mm -hmm. and he still does. He has a few GMWs that he plays. Uh, they built me a guitar, Lee at GMW, and I played it, uh, and it was a very heavy guitar, really nice guitar, but very heavy. So he tried making another guitar for me. It was very heavy as well. Uh, I love the build. I love the, the way they were made. I love the feel, but they were just real heavy for me. So I wound up eventually and obviously going with Washburn. Uh, and these guitars, the thing I love about these guitars is they're made to spec. So the necks on these feel like a PRS. Gotcha. Okay, so if you like a custom 24, mm -hmm. that's what these necks feel like. Okay. They're fantastic. Uh, and... The bodies, though, are uh, made out of mahogany, but they're very, they're very thin bodies, so they're lightweight, but they still sound warm. They still have the ugh to them. So that's why I love them, man. Washburn just knocked it out of the park with these guitars. Well, it's good stuff. They're, they're beautiful looking guitars. I've never had my hands on one. Um, pretty much in Canada, what would like Long McQuaid carry them? Do you know who carries them up this way? Gosh, I don't, man, but I could find out for you. Hey, no problem. I'll investigate as well, too. I'll, I'll look. I, I mean, I'll have to just go to the Washburn website, and I'll see where the dealers are. But, yeah, I'd like to like to check them out. And it's I'm excited because, you know, I've got – I don't know if you can see this one. Can you see the Priestess, the one that looks kind of like an Explorer? Yes, I can see it right now on the big screen I can. Okay. So that's called the Priestess, okay? And uh, and then they've got the the Solar V, uh, and uh, which is right there. And then this is the Import. But they're, they're making two more models. They're making one based on a Washburn that I had in the 80s. Okay. They're gonna, we're going to re-release that. It's really cool. And then they're also making a classic V style with one pickup, rounded arms, and more of that classic look to it. And then an acoustic guitar. So they're doing a whole Michael Sweet line. It's oh, crazy. Man. That's great, man. That's got to be quite the, quite the story. I'm humbled, man. I really am. I, I tell you, because I'm who am I, you know? But hey, Washburn believes in what I'm doing, and they've they've put a lot of faith in me, and 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 I'm really blessed to be a part of the Washburn team. That's good. And actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right towards the end of the program. Where I had a question. Um, it has a lot to do with with Adam Reaver, and actually, this is a good segue because he just commented in the chat and said the output in those pickups is 15 and a half, warm, oh, okay. warm and creamy. So that's good. That's right in the neighborhood that's where I was talking. A, that's a high output pickup, man. It, it is. It is for sure. Uh, so let's that since how we mentioned him, and I want to talk about these guitars. So I saw that uh, story that was really cool a while back too, where um, you know he and somebody's I, I don't know if it was Mike Tempesta or whoever, but I know uh, you know Adam was involved in it, getting you and Tracy Gunn some of the Eddie signature guitars. And yep. what my point is with that. It was so cool to see you know you and Tracy kind of fanboy out and go crazy over Eddie's guitars. <laughs> like we do with Eddie's guitars. And then at the same time, there's people like us out here, like some of our fans in the chat, like uh, Brian Cazell and Paul Perkins and people like that, that buy these guitars of yours and they go just as crazy as you are over Eddie's guitars. It's got to be pretty cool for you to see that from the fan side too. It's amazing. And, you know, to tell you the story about Adam, I, I think I posted something about an Eddie guitar and, uh, 
and then Adam started looking into getting us those guitars mm-hmm. at at, co- at cost. Yep. You know, uh, through through Fender, of course, EBH. And uh, what Adam wound up doing, and, and Adam's the kind of guy that doesn't want any of the glory. Right. I know. Or, or, or praise, because he's just he, he's that kind of a guy. But he wound up just basically getting those guitars and re going through them with all the FU tone upgrades mm-hmm. and then sending them to us. That's good, yeah, because the, the guitars come great. Here you go. And it blew my mind. I know. The guitars are perfect from the factory, but the, I always tell people, when people come to my channel and they ask me for upgrade information, like I, I would be lying if I said, okay, the, the you know this does this, and this is going to make it better, this can make it better. I say, this is what makes it better from the get-go. That brass block, that's where you want to start. If, and that's going to make the first audible difference. Now, yep. you want to, if you don't, if you have the budget for it, here's the next yep. part of the thing I recommend. And I say this is almost like like the preventative maintenance. This extra stuff is going to stop you from corrosion and rusting and stripping right. is a big thing, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you do that and you spend a couple hundred bucks on yep. uh, on a guitar that might be you know U.S. dollars, eight hundred dollars to fifteen hundred dollars, depending on the exactly. guitar. Man, you got a four, three thousand dollar shredder. I love it, man. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, and uh, you know, Adam went through it, and, and it's, it plays incredible, sounds incredible. And then what I decided to do was uh, uh, Pariah uh, built me uh, a, a little hotter version of their Pasadena uh, series yep. pickup that I dropped in that. And the thing sounds like it's just on fire. It just, it just sounds like unbelievable. That is way cool. Very, very cool. It's so good. Yeah. One of my Canadian buddies here, Brian Cote, I know, I know we can see a lot of your amps behind you, Splon and things like that. I think I saw Randall. He's asking, uh, what amps are you using? And uh, does it does it change live? I know you're using your ISP signature um, you know, effects unit, but what are you using amp-wise? Yeah, live live. I use the ISP. Okay, strictly. And have the, the uh, ISP Theta Pro Michael mm-hmm. Sweet model, which mm-hmm. is all yellow and big, and then they just made me, which I'm taking on this tour, an MSX. Okay. So smaller scale down version. Nice. It's the same. All the same inputs and outputs. Amp wise, uh, on tour, believe it or not, for weight purposes and tone purposes, mm-hmm. Oz and I use GK bass amps. He told me that story. Yes. I was yeah. like, what the heck? And it, it what we were using carbon bass amps because they were lightweight and they were loud and the headroom is crazy insane and Really, all we want is clean power. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that'll do it. All of our gain is coming from our, our pedals, uh, our boxes. So uh, now we're using GKs. I'm using a Fusion 500 bass head. And I tell you, man, it's insane. It sounds really, really great. Now, in the studio, I use my Splons. Okay. Yep. So I've got one loaded with the L34s and one loaded with uh, KT88s. Uh, and then I've got, I don't know if you can see this Randall over here. No, just the top of it, unfortunately. Okay. Well, sitting over here is a Thrasher okay. Randall. Yep. And, you know, I, they sent me that and I plugged into it and I was blown away. And I used that on my latest solo album, 10, exclusively. Oh, nice. I mean, I use my Theta, but I, I use that amp exclusively. That's the only amp I use. And it just sounds incredible. I got I got to say I obviously I would expect something to have some some yellow stripes on but those splons with the yellow motif like that look really yeah. really nice. And they're sitting on I don't think you can see them but they're sitting on three uh, 212 caps. No, I can't see that. That's cool. Nice. Hey, I'll show you real quick. Okay. I'll show you. 
Oh, look at that. I love it. I've got three yellow and black cabs that they're sitting on. Now we can see that Randall good now, too. Thank you. That's good. I'll tell you, man. What I do is I come down here, and I I plug into those splons, both heads, through those cabs, and all the gold records on the wall, which might be hard to see as well, but... I have to readjust them because they're all hanging crooked, and you know I just shake the walls down mm. here, man. That's that's a great problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my I'm, my uh, so loud that my gold records are falling off the wall. <laughs> and you know, and, and that probably sounds very no, no, it's I, okay. I'm joking with you. That's hilarious. You are, but it, it's funny, man, because every time I crank those up. I look at the wall at the at the out records on the wall and they're just all over the place and it's like I'll spend because I'm OCD big time. Yeah, I'll spend a half an hour readjusting the the gold record. Yeah, I can imagine. No, that's funny. I was oh no, I wasn't teasing you. Either. That was funny. Let's let's jump now into this big deep end of this pool of uh, producing Van Halen. So this was kind of the topic at hand tonight. And, uh, you know, you'd quote, you've been kind of quoted in some of the uh, gossip magazines and the, the news magazines and all that kind of stuff saying that, you know, if given the chance, you know, you, you think you could um, produce a record that would be comparable, like, you know, the first Van Halen, Van Halen 2, Women and Children First, really made a statement on the world. And, you know, you, you yourself, just as maybe as a fan, as a professional musician, you, you know, that's what hit you is that was that era. What would producing Van Halen mean to you, and like, and what would it entail for you? Like, what, how would you be involved if given the opportunity? Well, first, I mean, some people were commenting negatively on the fact that I left out "Fair Warning" and uh, "Diver Down." Yep, 1984. All all the Roth Van Halen. The six, albums. yeah, yeah. And it, it, I was just throwing out the first three because those were the ones that really made the hairs on my arm stand on end. So mm-hmm. I love the other the other three as well. But that being said, um, it, I, I mean and meant no disrespect to Van Halen. If I read a story about someone saying they could produce Van Halen, my eyebrows would go up. Sure. And I'd think, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? I, <laughs> I think the same thing. Yeah. Because Van Halen is sacred. Uh, they're my favorite band of all time. I think they're the greatest American rock band of all time. Many people would argue with me on that, and that's fine. That's what I believe. Not only were they incredible, and they proved that, but they were life-changing for me as a musician, as a a producer, a writer, a guitar player, a singer, Mm -hmm. a band, an artist. They just inspired me in all areas. So that's exactly why I believe... I could be a great co-producer because I obviously Eddie's a brilliant producer mm-hmm. and he's, he's proven that. And, and you know, uh, but I, I feel that I'm someone that if ever given the chance, I could come in and kind of steer them in the right direction with this, 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 and that. And even David Lee Roth, I hear people say all the time, Oh, he can't sing anymore. And I say, BS. What do you mean? He can't sing anymore. He, he sings different. But it's interesting because when I hear David, you know, hit a note or talk or yell or in, in an upper register, I can still hear the power and the range in his voice. Sure. So I know it's there. It's just a matter of, I don't want to say retraining, but redirecting uh, someone to do something else versus what they're stuck doing. If that makes any sense. No, it does make sense. It does for sure. And that's one of the things like I get asked this question a lot on, on the shows. Like, 
do you think, hey, Eric, do you know if Fanny Helen's going to tour? Do you know if they're going to do a new record? Or they blah blah blah. What are they doing? They don't do press, all that kind of stuff. And I, right. I as a fan, I want to see it. As you know, but at the same time, I respect their decision to not do anything because it almost seems like they can't win in the press. You know, yeah. you know, the last last couple tours. First thing everyone wanted to do was rag on Dave. Dave's losing it. Well, I mean, you know, he only had a, a decent, like he, he, he wasn't the world's best singer to begin with, but he had the style. He had everything everyone wanted. He, and he was a leader of Van Halen, the frontman of Van Halen, I should say. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. And, 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 and I've, I don't know, man, I, I've never thought, I understand when people say it, but I've never thought of David as a subpar singer. Right. I, just, I hear, you know, Eddie Trunk and, uh, sometimes talk about how, you know, he he, he couldn't sing then versus now. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he what he said, but, you know, making comments that are, uh, you know, kind of leaning towards the fact that David isn't the best singer mm-hmm. you know, that he's ever heard. Uh, and, and a lot of people have said that. And I've heard that from many people. <clears throat> I, I just come from a different mindset. I think David Lee Roth is one of the best singers I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because I've never heard anyone sing with the passion and the conviction that David Lee Roth sings with. I agree on that because. He- and that, to me, that's just as important, if not even more important, as the technical abilities. I agree. I listen to a guy who's technically perfect and get nothing out of it. You know why I think that is? I think it's uh, maybe not the only reason, but a a strong reason. How many times was David Lee Roth told, was he told, no, you're not going to be the singer of Van Halen. No, you're not going to amount to anything. And he didn't, he, from the time he was like a a young teenager, he wasn't saying, I want to be a rock star. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be the singer in your band. Look where he is. Yeah, Yeah, I I know. And, And, you know, look, David's borrowed a little bit from Jim Dandy. Everybody knows that. You know, we all borrow from people. But, you know, David, the thing about David is he took all that to new levels and new heights. And as a front man, as a performer, as a singer, Mm -hmm. as a personality, uh, just all around the whole package. uh, David, David is just he's he's the dude, man. And it's. You know, I'll go to my grave saying that. And uh, I, I really think that he still has it in him to deliver an album that uh, is in line with Van Halen 1 and 2. I agree. That's my thing. People can disagree with it all they want. Well, that's fine. That's it opens fine. up discussion. I don't know if I told you this before last time you were on the show, because I don't, I don't remember how far our Van Halen discussion went last time. And I say this a lot in the show. So if some of our regulars will probably say, Eric, you say this to death, but some of our new people may maybe not have heard this story. And I'll just ask your opinion on this. I say to people, you know, like people always talk about Ed, the Van Halen swing, especially that really translate between Eddie and Alex, but obviously across yep. the whole band. But yes. I say there's three kind of key ingredients that really make that swing. And I always say that it starts with, number one, their dad. You know, having, you know, yep. from the first moments that they heard, you know, Eddie hearing saxophone and, and that's the first thing they heard. Big band, blah, blah, blah. Swing. Yeah. Number two, the brothers playing without a bass player. They wake up in the morning before they even have their Cheerios or whatever they'd have for breakfast and they'd be working out without a drummer. I mean, without a bass player, just Eddie and Alex, you know, so you're filling that hole with no bass player all the time. And then three, you take this crazy guy that comes into the band that brings Motown, R&B and all this kind of dance music. Uh, basically the blackest white man on the planet 
you know, soul. He, I mean, he's got more soul in his body than than I than I don't know who. And I think you put those three things together in a stew, and there's there's yep. your swing. I, I I get it, man. You're preaching to the choir. I totally agree with you. And um, such an integral part of of that whole era and and the greatness of Van Halen. Yeah. And Sammy, you know, Sammy. They were a different band with Sammy. Still great. Still mm-hmm. amazing, had had songs to prove it, sold out arenas to prove it. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing about the difference between Sammy and, and, and Dave is, is Sammy was more of that technical singer that I was talking sure, about. Sure, of course, that's right. David was less of that technical singer, but... You know, again, you know, I'll take I'll take David any day of the week just because of the passion and conviction and the soul, as you put it, mm-hmm. that he that he sang with. Yeah, it's it's funny. I I'm never the one to retell a joke, and I'm the worst joke teller, and I'm I'm gonna screw this up. But anyways, I uh, Blue Saracino was on the show just about a week or two back. I love blues. I blues know awesome. what a wonderful, wonderful guy in the stories, and he's got some crazy David Lee Roth stories too. It's like being, basically being held by a hostage by David Lee Roth for three hours. He says like the first hour is fun. It's like Davey, bop, 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 you know, all this comedy. Second hour is like okay, it's getting old. Third hour he's like, where's my ride? You know what I mean, kind of thing. Um, but he said, you know, David Lee Roth, like blues has a party on and a party off switch. David Lee Roth is party on, and Sammy Hagar is party off. You know, it's like. It, <laughs> And it's a different environment. And I, I'm not going to lie. I, I loved seeing all the tour. I saw Van Halen more with Sammy Hagar. No, I did see him on, from 84 on. So I saw him once with, you know, the original lineup. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I loved the uh, the Sammy Hagar era. But Van Halen with the original lineup was party band of the of the of the of history of all time. And the music, I think, was just something else. Totally. The way the way I can describe it, uh, agree with it or not, is with Sammy, it was great. Mm -hmm. With David, it was magical. Yeah. And and that's the difference. You know, Sammy, obviously, you know, Red Rocker had his own career, you know, doing great on his own. A proven star, a legendary dude, amazing singer, amazing talent uh, and a great guy. But man, there's there was just something about Van Halen with that original lineup in the in the early stages mm-hmm. especially yes that they had this fire man like i said this in in a in a recent interview like who would want to be the band to follow that oh boy nobody not not anybody i know how could you and and many did mm-hmm. you know journey uh, boston van uh, uh black sabbath uh you know, on and on and on. And it's like, man, ugh, I kind of feel for him. I know. I know. Like, <laughs> it's just almost like that thunder. I'm uh, From the moment Van Halen would walk into a club or a larger hall, you know, event when they would start to, you know, graduate from clubs to halls to, you know, venue, you know, large uh, yeah. arenas. It's like they would walk into the place and they would just own it. You would feel it. It's like, okay, yeah. something's wrong in the atmosphere here. It's, I don't feel right. Like, I mean, like the Neil Shones and, and you know, the Tony Iommi's and all this other kind of stuff. Like, they could almost probably feel a disturbance in the guitar force, I think, when you, these guys oh, yeah. come in. Yeah. I mean, it. and and see, I, I saw Van Halen back in the day, but obviously I didn't live that time. You right, know, I right. wasn't like following Van Halen around, seeing them perform before they made it. You know what I mean? Like like Motley Crue and, and some of the bands from my era, I got to see before they made it and stuff. But Van Halen, I didn't get to see before they broke in the clubs. Uh, and man, I can only imagine 
what that must have been like. Yeah. It must have been insane. I got to experience that with uh, yesterday and today, uh, now Y&T. Before they broke, I used to go and watch them perform at the Starwood. And man, oh, what a the electricity in the air was just intense. So I can only imagine Van Halen must have just been on a different planet. I know. I really wish, like, that's the kind of thing, like, I've, I've had some some family members that got to see Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock and, and things like that. And seeing Van right. Halen in that time, seeing Jimi Hendrix oh. at Woodstock, seeing the man walk on the moon, those are all things that are on equal proportions. I might It might sound silly, but, you know... It's a it, of- it doesn't sound silly to me at all. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's dead on, and uh, it was very special, yeah. very special. And I don't know if it can be repeated. You no. know, Jimi Hendrix, someone like Jimi Hendrix. I don't think you know Eddie Hendrix changed the guitar world, and then Eddie changed the guitar world, and then nobody really since has. I know. Randy Rhodes, Randy Rhodes is in that same caliber, and and certainly in that world. But who has changed the guitar world? like Eddie Van Halen. I say that that's how this whole show kind of originated was talking about his gear. And depending on the guests that come on the show, some people are scared, right? I'll invite them on the show and they're like, well, I don't know a lot about Van Halen. It's like, trust me, yeah. you don't have to. And so yeah. we'll cater the show to them. If they're, if they're a diehard Van Halen fan, we'll talk all night long. If they're not, what my, what my kind of uh, entry level conversation with these people is, what do you think, Eddie Van Halen has done for the world of guitar. What has he done for manufacturing? And it's just right. basically an opinion thing. And it just brings up this yeah. great conversation. And next yeah. thing you know, the, myself and the guest and the people in the chat, which was 90 minutes gone by, and we're like, wow, that just went by. We're just... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could have a 24-hour show and we could still be talking. You know? <laughs> I know. Like, oh, I know. Quick, you know. A few coffees, uh, but we could get through it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, I mean, it really, I, I can't think of anyone that, that's done what Eddie's done. I know. You know? All around, full spectrum. Yeah. Uh, since Eddie, and and that's what makes him so great, um, and so unique, and so special. Uh, and, and you know, and then you've got Eddie, who's in Van Halen with Roth, with Alex, with Michael. Let's not forget Michael. Mm-hmm, of course. You know, uh, Michael is one of my all-time favorite bass players. It's just laying down the groove, the eighth note, solid in the pocket. Boom, and and then singing like a bird mm-hmm. uh, on top of it. Uh, wow! I mean, you 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 had the perfect package come together, I you know. know, and it was, boom. I don't yeah. I I don't know really um, the the real deal, nor is it my place to know what happened between Eddie and Michael. But do you think we'll ever see that that bridge um, mended between those two? I mean, I'm sure you'd like to see it, and I'd like to see it. Do you think we'll ever see it? Well, you know, I think we've in our lifetime seen saying never say, seen saying, you know, it'll never happen. And then you realize to never say never because it does happen. Mm-hmm. It, people change. Uh, I think as we get older, uh, we become a little more humble. And, uh, you know, at least speaking for myself, I want to see relationships that might not be uh, me with others that might not be mended. I want to see them mended. I want, I want, I want to, I don't want to go down like that with any negativity in my life and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Eddie might be feeling or thinking the same thing or Michael might be, or maybe they're already talking. Who knows? I would say, yeah, I would think that there's always that great chance that they'll work things out. 
That'd be good. I know I know that's probably a lot more in the opposite direction when it comes to Sammy. Unfortunately, that was a bad breakup. But you know what I mean? The, the, they, yeah. All those guys together, they gave us a great uh, legacy of music. It's something that just, it's so nice too to see these younger generations, just like with your music. You see it all the time. You've got oh, yeah. like, you know, uh, dads bringing their sons and sometimes three generations coming to a concert, you know, just to witness this stuff. It's pretty awesome. Unbelievable. Now, you know what might be scary, though, is if you see a dad bringing a son and the son bringing a son. Yeah. Then, then you're probably thinking, well, I'm getting pretty old, man. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. It could, it could happen. I'm sure it does from time to time. Maybe at some KISS shows <laughs> or something like that. You never know. Yeah, true. There's a couple <laughs> questions uh, that I had funneled to me from uh, from my better half here. Uh, Richard Lee Rogers says, did Michael ever play a Steinberger mini flying V with a trans trim? My buddy had one in the 80s that was a yellow and black. Did you ever have any Steinbergers or trans trims? I played a Steinberger. Okay. I sure did. Uh, when we were touring with White Lion, mm-hmm. Vito Vada played a Steinberger. Yeah, that was his big thing. Yeah. And he had the one that was more shaped almost like a... A, a Strat a, style. A strat. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and I and I really dug it. I played his. And, and I thought, wow, this is really nice. So I wound up buying a Steinberger. Nice. But I bought a little square body. Like Eddie's? Exactly. Yep. And uh, black, it had the EMGs in it, and uh, and I actually played it live a few times. I don't know what happened to that guitar, man. It's out there somewhere in Guitarland. I just don't know where. Someone's got it. <laughs> Someone's got it. Yeah. And I liked it, though. It sounded great. It felt great. It played great. It was a little awkward being so small. I, I like having something to rest against my leg, you know? And, yeah. And I had against my leg yeah and so any any guitar without a headstock it's just like you almost, you almost feel like you're into danger zone so oh 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 you know i'm running out of real estate here right absolutely man it's it's definitely different yeah for sure well sure. well thank you for answering that and another question from one of our friends here too jeff humphress he does um he's an artist with uh neck illusions and, okay. and he says uh can you can you ask michael if his tour manager ever gave him the neck illusions i brought to the band did you ever see any of those Neck illusions. They're, it sounds very familiar. They're, they're what like, are they exactly? Um, well, I, there's several artists endorse them. Steve Vai is one of the artists, that, and Jennifer Batten does as well too. I'm, I apologize, I don't know more of the artists, but they're they're like a vinyl overlay that go over your neck. Um, so you can do whatever you want. Like a, you could have like a really cool. Actually, if you don't have them yet, I'll make sure that Jeff can still get you some new ones. Be, okay. And it, you can decorate your neck. I don't think of it as a sticker. Think of it as a customization for your neck that's not necessarily always permanent. You can take them back off. They're not like stickers. They don't peel off. So he okay. must have made something custom for you, but I'll I'll make sure he gets them to you. I'll maybe I'll. But it lies on the fretboard. Yeah, great. Right so you it, you have to customize it for your. They have templates from Neck Illusions, and it'll match up to your guitar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, look at Steve Weiss. He's got like some crazy, you know, like the, uh, you know, the pyramids and the eyes and all that kind of crazy oh, stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I'll I'll get Love your. It. And, and and I'm sad to say that I don't recall that, man. Yeah. If our tour manager was supposed to show us those, I, I don't oh, recall. It's but okay. I, it happens because, you know, so many fans are bringing you stuff and, you know, is maybe get lost in transit. But I, I, I know we can put you two together and get them to you. So Okay, man. I could just Perfect. picture a couple of those Perfect. black I'd and yellow. I'd love to check them out. Yeah, for sure. I think some of those black and yellow guitars with some elements on the neck would look great. You could do some really cool stuff. Well, a lot of guys yeah. like them. Like, I've got a couple guitars. I have no fret markers. And I'm not embarrassed to admit that, you know, I need fret markers on my guitar. At least I'd like to see my fret markers. I want to see I, if they're I road- want them, too. Yeah. I want to. Oz and I perform acoustically, and we have some acoustics that don't have fret markers. And when, when the lights go dim... You're lost. We don't know where we are. 
Now, I know I know there might be some people out there, uh, you know, on, on a fiddle or a cello saying boo-hoo, you know what I mean? But, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Yeah, you know what? Let's put them on a guitar with fret markers and see how they do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Trying to do vibrato like this, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you know, something else, too. It's funny you mentioned about Sammy Hagar a minute ago. And, and like, I did one element I liked about Van Halen when Sammy was in the band as I'd like the, the two guitars from time to time. There was nice to have two guitars. Also, I agree. And you, of course, you know, you're coming from a band where two guitar players. And Absolutely. Is, there, was some, there was some talk years ago, you know, if you ever had the chance to sing for Van Halen, you would love the opportunity. And it would probably be, I think, and a lot of people would think it would be a good um, addition to Van Halen. How would you see um, playing alongside Eddie Van Halen? What would you What would you try to do as a guitar player? Uh, oh, no, God. What would you do in a case like that? I mean, you're playing with Ozzy. He's a great guitar player. You're a great guitar player. But I do think, I mean, I think there's no question. This is no disrespect to Sammy Hagar. Um, Sammy's a good singer. He's not as good on guitar. He's good, but he's certainly not you on guitar. And that's that's just a fact. Well, well, thank you, man. I, it, I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think I would, like, when I was in Boston, I, I, I kind of treaded lightly. You know, mm-hmm. like when I when I uh, when I was asked to sing uh, at what was supposed to be Boston's last show, uh, I, I learned uh, the vocals, but I learned the guitars as well. And when I went in with my guitar, I remember Tom's face. It was very surprised looking mm-hmm. because I don't know if he, I don't think he was expecting me to, to have the guitar parts you know, learned or whatever. But uh, when I when I plugged in, I just kind of like went along with whatever they needed or whatever they wanted. Uh, I never pushed myself as a guitar player, like, hey, let me do that, or hey, you know, let me take that lead or whatever. I just kind of did whatever they wanted me to do because uh, obviously it's Boston and uh, I'm Michael Sweet and I'm just filling in. And, um, you know, I would probably do the, have the same approach with Van Halen. Whatever they need, exactly. I, I, would, be, I would be very happy and more than happy to, to uh, try to, give them that <laughs> well they're very well said and I, th- I think that's what's so cool and actually that worked out very well too i mean uh fortunately you guys were able to still you know you went ahead and you did the tour when oz was um uh not well there for but by the way is he doing okay right now is he good you know what oz is uh in a good place right now he's been on a, a, a special diet uh and just kind of resting and taking it easy and they're observing and, and, and keeping a close eye on him and he's in a good place right now we're getting ready to hit the road he went out and toured with us last year, mm-hmm. uh, right after that situation, right. and everything went down. And he's going to be touring again, and we're just going to keep a close eye on him. You know, we still have to be cautious, of course, well, uh, because he's got a couple spots on his on his brain that uh, you know uh, need to. Everyone needs to keep a close eye on, you know, and see what's what's going on. Yeah, well, diet is a good thing. If he's changed his diet, I mean, I don't know what his diet was, but a, a change in diet. I've seen it here in the home. We almost lost. My better half here, and by changing diet, saved her life. Oh, wow. You know, so, wow. well, blessings to him for that. But the thing where I was getting with that is, number one, I know he, uh, you know, the band had, uh, you know, his blessing to go out and tour, and it was very respectful from everyone involved. But not every band that's a two-player, two-guitar-player band can do that, you know, go out on the road and take over, you know. So, if, fortunately, you know, you've got chops, um, and I'm sure there's probably some nights where, you know, you had fun, but other times you're probably like, oh, man, I wish I could give this to Oz right now. But it was nice oh, that you man, could do that. It, it, all the time. I mean, you know, I enjoy playing guitar. I love it. And I, as a matter of fact, when I set my guitar down, I feel I feel naked. I, I feel know. like what this is weird. Yeah. 
uh, and when I put it back on, it's like, oh, okay, there's my arm again, you know? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we went over and we did uh, some Australian dates as a trio without Oz. We didn't have a choice, and, and, and we went. And I'm glad that we did, but it was, it was, a, it was a very stressful situation because we're scrambling trying to figure out, okay, what do I play? I just played rhythms when sure. our solos were going on. And, you know, I wasn't going to try to figure out his solos or, or, or try to play solos over his parts. I just felt like that would have been weird and somewhat disrespectful and just sure. not the right thing to do. So it worked out. But, uh, man, it, it, it's we we need all four guys, you know. Uh, all, as you know, a lot of Striper songs have two guitars, a lot of harmony parts. Mm-hmm. Just the solos, but all the little rhythm parts, constant harmonies. So when you when you're down a guitar, it's like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you pulled you pulled it off very very well. I mean, fans, I saw I saw feedback from that. People were digging it, and in some cases, you know, for I mean, it was what it was. You had to go forward the way you did it, and maybe a little bit more uh, inter interactive um, and intimate with some of the fans for a little bit. You know, it's, it's some blessing oh, yeah. in disguise. It was it was it was different, and yeah. it took me back to the days uh, in a, in a in an interesting way it took me back to the days when we were a trio and, and not a lot of people know that but we were a trio way back and uh what happened was back in the day we just couldn't find a guitar player that we were happy with mm-hmm. or personality wise it, it wasn't gelling so i played guitar and i'm like give me that guitar you know <laughs> and, and and we just became a trio and and we did it for quite a while that way uh, and then obviously, once we uh, became Striper with Oz and myself, started writing a lot more material with two guitars. So it's very crucial to have the two guitars. For sure. And that's the thing, too, is that that it's like that missing width, you know, like, I mean, two guitar player bands. I mean, sometimes I've, I've seen so many guitar, two, two, two guitar player bands where both guys got their mid scoop. They're coming at you dead up center and it's almost like you don't even hear the second guitar player. But you, exactly. you guys do have a, such an identifiable sound that don't step on each other's toes. And yeah. if if Oz lost you, your sound, you know, or you lost Oz's, it's like, okay, what, yeah. what are we missing here? Something's not right. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt about it. No question about it. And our our guitar tones are EQ'd to complement each other. Nice. So, you know, I've got a little bit more mid-range in my tone. Oz has a little less mid-range, but they work together. Yeah, that's good. Like, like the glove on the hand, you know, yeah. just it, it works. That's right. I in a two guitar player band. That's the, that's obviously the secret is the mids, and the, I people always tease me. I whenever I take an amplifier, whether it's a real amplifier or modeling stuff, I yeah. li- I literally dime my mids. And here's a little tip I learned from a sound guy who's a friend of mine for many years. Actually, he was a guitar player and singer in one of my very first bands when I was a kid. He became yeah. a very professional sound guy, playing a gig one day on stage with a really loud uh, loud PV fifty one fifty, and my right. mids were scooped. It's probably at about nine o'clock, right? So right to the left. And he's giving me some signals on the stage. You just can't. I'm like, what? Want me to turn up? And he's like, no, no, he's doing something. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand. And he gets yeah. all huff and puffy and he walks up on the stage. He takes my mids and goes, and he cranks him up and he storms off the stage. And then I'm listening. I'm like, oh my God, my tone. And from that day forward, I dime my mids and yeah. uh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful tone. Once you get used to it, mm-hmm. you realize mids are what guitar is all about. I agree. So if you, if you're cutting your mids, especially in a in a in a dual guitar band mm-hmm. you're cutting your mids you're not going to cut out you're not going to stand out in the mix no you're buried you're going to be buried in the mix and you got to have those mids to cut through and 
I, I, I'm all about mids, you know. Sometimes I have too many mids, and my I've got my sound guy saying, pull back on the mids a little bit. But, you know, when I listen back to audio and videos, uh, I can always hear my guitar, man. You know, I'm, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't boost my guitar. I don't uh, boost it for solos. I don't do anything. And and I when I solo, I hear it. When I'm, I can always hear it, and it cuts through. And it, I, I thank the mids for that. You know. Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's right. Stands out for sure. Here's a question from Will Varela uh, says, and uh, and I think I know the answer to this. Uh, we mentioned a little earlier, talked about uh, coming up rock pile would be Lynch Mob as well. Too. So this is a George Lynch question. He says, well, Michael, uh, will he ever work with George Lynch again? Uh, also, wasn't Lynch one of those guitar players that changed music? Yeah, I put him in that same group of changing uh, music as well. Maybe not oh, the yeah. same category as Eddie, but certainly had a contribution. But anything more with George down the road? Or is he just too busy? Well, Eddie Eddie broke in the 70s, you know, right. 70s. Right. And was making noise prior to that. But George, you know, was in that scene, the 80s scene Mm -hmm. from all the 80 Mm -hmm. guitar players. I put George at the top of the list. Nice. I I would put George my favorite guitar player list from the 80s. George would be in the top three. Very cool. Absolutely. George would be right up there. Uh, And the thing I like about George is. He plays with an intensity unlike any other player. He does. You watch him play like it's just emotion, and like it looks like he's going. He's literally abusing the guitar. It, it's just insane the intensity that he plays with, and he always plays like that. And and not just the intensity, but you know the technical stuff that he does that he doesn't even know that he's doing because he's not a real technical guy. He'll right. be the first to admit it. Uh, the same as Eddie, you know, uh, in terms of theory, they can't sit and tell you everything they're doing. Right. Right. From a theory perspective. But, you know, they're so technical uh, that some of these guys that know all the theory in the world don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, I know. So George is one of those guys. And I love George. Do will we ever work together again? Sure. I mean, I I don't see why we wouldn't. Uh, It's just been difficult to figure out uh, a way to make it make it happen because I don't want to compromise. Mm hmm the way we produced the album or recorded the albums. And at this stage, we're kind of having to, and I don't know that I'll want to do that. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because, and then you've got to talk tours is hard enough routing one tour, let alone, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, that's the other thing I wanted to do some shows and we weren't able to make that work. Yeah. Sadly, but I think a lot of people want to hear some sweet Lynch, uh, Music live. Agreed, because that's actually where we left off. <clears throat> Excuse me, last time you were here, which is a good year and a half ago, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. It had to yeah. be, because your record's been out now for a year, almost a year to the day. Yeah. Right? So you were, the new art record was coming out. There was going to be some tours, and there was, you know, hopes and talks that would be, you know, a joint tour. And it just obviously d- didn't happen, right? And for logistics, of course. But Yeah. Well, that's cool. It didn't happen. It's sad. I mean, I would like to see it happen, and it just hasn't yet. But, you know, we'll keep trying. We'll see what happens. But I love George. Yeah. I love George as a person, as a player. Uh, he's just – he's he's an incredible, incredible player, man, and one of my favorites. Yeah, it certainly is. The funny story about him, uh, this past NAM here in January, Junior and I, uh, we stayed at um, – I forget the name of the hotel, but it's right across the road, like downtown Anaheim from uh, uh, from IHOP. And it's like 11 o'clock at night, uh, L.A. time, it, which is like, you know, late here. And uh, we're hungry as heck. So we go over to IHOP. We sit down there, actually probably even later, probably closer to midnight. 
and we turned behind us and George is sitting right behind us. He just got off a gig and he was a little upset. He said he had blown some stuff up on stage, some apps, maybe it was backline provided for him, whatever. Uh, so we kind of consoled him and calmed him down a little bit and we sat and we had pancakes with him. So it was kind of a fun a half an hour. It was kind of neat. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, George George is is that way. He, he's very temperamental when it comes to gear working and, and the show going right. I am too. I mm-hmm. mean, I can because you want it to be you want it to be perfect. Exactly. You want everything to go just as it should. And when it does, and it's like, ah, you know, it gets frustrating sometimes. Well, that's like me too. As you know, I kind of alluded to this off the air, and a lot of the people that know me personally, I've been a prick for the past two, I pardon my French, but for the past weeks, I've been so stressed about making shows perfect. My internet was taken, like it was, we had technical problems in our, in our community, and, yeah. and my shows were held hostage. I couldn't do my shows. And I'm like, and two, two major guests, in my opinion, um, I had Alex Skolnick on the show. And oh, I, I love Alex. Yeah. Uh, well, I, did, I had, but I had to cancel him. I had to cancel him 30 minutes before the show. So it'd be like me t- with you tonight. You and I did a oh, test call man. at 8.30, and I had to, at a half an hour, I had to get a hold of Alex and say, Alex, I have zero connection. And uh, fortunately, he was a champ. I mean, I'm blessed to the Lord above that he was understanding that it wasn't my fault. And yeah. I lost uh, Stevik McKay, who was, uh, he's the head of Shuriken Guitars. He worked with Line 6 and over yeah, in Australia. Yeah. And we had to do a special time for him because Australia time zone, right? Ah. Uh. So long story short, we're back and, and the fans are, uh, you know, they were very appreciative and, and my friends are appreciative that they know it's out of my hands. And as I told you tonight, th- this internet service provider has been calling me off the hook because they want to make sure, because I, I kind of ranted a little bit and said, we got to get this fixed. But what's so cool today, I'm in the car and the chief yep. tech calls me and says, Eric, I know you got a big show coming up tonight. We've got you all set. Just want to let you know that we love Van Halen and we like Michael Sweet and Striper. So. <laughs> They actually knew who Michael Sweet was. They sure did. Oh yeah, this guy's probably in his late thirties, early forties. You know, right in our wheelhouse of uh, you know that kind of stuff. So it was very, very cool. I was, I was. Look, we haven't had one problem tonight, man. No. Well, now we're going to. (laughs) No, I'm. It honestly, it has made me feel so good because I, I was like literally stressed the hell out. Like, I mean, I was, I could catch myself being irritable to everybody. I didn't mean to be, but I was. And uh, it, I, I just feel man. so good. Yeah. It's it, te- you know, we get, as human beings, we get wound tight and that affects our moods. And it's just, it's life. It's part of life. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. But you know what? You're up and running. You're going good. And you're back to being Eric again, man. That's, that's right. And you know, the good thing is what I'm really, I'm really thrilled about this. The first night of good technology as far as having, a, it was a good night last night, but I didn't have any guests on. But I'm really thrilled to have you on when we got things working really, really well. I mean, I couldn't think of a, a better time to celebrate. Hey, man, I, you know, it was interesting because something told me to reach out to you. And I, I felt a little awkward and, uh, and uncomfortable reaching out to you because that's not normally the way it works. Hey, you know, I'll take it. I have, a, I have a publicist and everything goes through our publicist. Because that's what and, we did know. last time. And, and Adam Adam helped a little bit with that, the first one, too. Yeah. And uh, but I just felt like, you know, I'm going to reach out to Eric. And I, and I did. And I'm glad that I did. Man. Me, too, because I, I go the other way. I spend I don't even want to tell you how many hours I spend a week with publicists. And I fortunately now uh, met a few publicists who work with multiple artists, and now they're sending me people, and it's just it's a godsend because, oh, it, yeah. like here's I tell this story all the time. I've been trying to book Ace Frehley for two and a half years, and uh, he's with E1, right? He's uh, and right. The, you know uh, they're a big company. Uh, yep. I think it's Bill Mice is his guy, and I've been on his radar forever. And I'm gonna get him. Yeah. I'm gonna get him, yeah. but it's gonna be oh you'll get him. Yeah, you'll get him. But it's if I don't stay on top of these publicists, they forget about me tomorrow. You know. Oh, so. no. 
but because they get caught up in other stuff and, and it happens and I get it. Yep. But man, you'll, you'll get a, I'll be watching that one when it happens. That will, that will be great. <laughs> there is a question for you here. Just coming through the chat as well too. Uh, soldier striper asks, can you ask Michael, uh, the South America tour this year, September striper plus Narnia plus tourniquet meet and greets. How about it? Does that make any sense? Oh gosh. Well, we're going to South America with, uh, uh, those bands and um we are uh i believe doing meet and greets i'm not certain yet and the reason why i'm not certain is because sometimes in other countries meet and greets can be so much of a hassle or an inconvenience that it's not worth doing right so that's why it's questionable okay so i'm not going to say yes for sure but i believe it's going to happen now, I, I'm just being uh, like a, an idiot here because I, I don't know. Uh, is it language barriers? Is it logistics? What, what, what can be a hassle sometimes? It's, it's, it's all of the above. Okay. Logistics, language barrier, uh, sometimes affordability. You know, right. if, okay. if you have to set a price here and, and people can't afford it and so it's not worth doing. You know, it, it's a number of things. Uh, or sometimes organization. Yeah. You know, because you, you have to rely on people over there to be organized, to put it all together before you get there. That doesn't always work. Right. So in the grand scheme of things, I, I get this now. It's, you know, you're doing the fans uh, kind of a justice by sometimes not doing it because, you know, maybe that's the first time ever meeting you guys. And if it's a train wreck uh, outside of your control, you know, exactly. that, that lets them down, too. So that, that's cool. Yeah, I get it. it. It can be a negative thing instead of a positive thing. Yeah. And we always want meet and greets to be a positive thing. And we go the extra mile to try to make them worth the while and uh, give the fans, you know, more than their money's worth. Uh, because it's all about the fans at the end of the day. Uh, it certainly is for us, man. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing. Maybe it's the first time they've ever met you. You're their hero. They've waited all these years uh, yep. to meet you. And, you know, it could be a bum experience and that would be, that'd be a drag. Yeah. Yep. No, no doubt about it, man. So I hope, that it's going to happen, but I don't, I can't guarantee it. That'll be posted on the website anyways, which we have a link in the uh, description down below as well too, because I know you've got the, some meet and greets on there. There's a couple of tiers that you have, um, a tier one and tier two, whatever. So, uh, and that's pretty cool. you got some things available where you can hold your guitar on stage and get a picture in front of uh, the drum kit and stuff. Hey, you know what, Eric, I've got 10% battery left. So oh. if we're going to go, I think 15 more minutes, yeah, we'll wrap up. We'll wrap up in five, ten minutes. Like technically fifteen, but we'll wrap up close if, enough so you don't not, lose. If not, what I'll do is run and grab a game. No problem. We'll probably we'll probably make through. We'll get through. And I know the uh, the phone the video takes a lot of uh, power as well too. So here's a question. So I don't forget this one. Uh, Jay Monty asked Michael, "Did you hear of the screenplay for uh, for uh, to Hell with the Devil? It's about a fictitious '80s Christian rock band. I'm playing uh, guitar on the music, and it sounds awesome. I hope it gets released. I haven't heard anything about that. No, I have not. Okay. I haven't heard a thing about that, but I want to hear more about it. Oh, cool. It. If you can, uh, Jay Monty, send us, if you're on Facebook, send us some more information through our EVH and Gear TV Facebook page, just so I can relay it to Michael as well, too. Or that tag, would be awesome. Yeah, or tag Michael on Facebook as well, too. Um, and just because we're running low on time and battery power, more so our battery power, uh, Rich Stellman says, can you please ask Michael about Sunbomb with Tracy and if he can share details? Yes. So Tracy is working on an album. And he sent me a song, and he said, you want to sing it? And I said, oh, yeah, man, sure. I'll sing a song. And then he said, no, the whole album. So that's when I kind of took a big gulp, and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I, I've got a lot of stuff going on. How am I going to be able to do that? And we were able to kind of figure things out. 
and I was able to commit to doing the whole album. It's called Sunbomb. Uh, I'm singing on it, uh, and it's going to be coming out, from what I understand, I believe, the early part of next year. Uh, okay. I think it's getting turned in like mid-September, and it's going to come out in 2020. And then, uh, of course, everybody knows, uh, I hope, everybody knows that I just completed a new solo album called Ten. I've got a different guitar player on every song. Tracy Guns is one of them. And uh, that's coming out in September on Rat Pack Records. And I'm really excited about it because it's a real guitar fest. It's all about guitar on this album. Gotcha. And that's why I'm really excited about it as a guitar player myself. And I've got all kinds of people on there. Gus G, uh, Jeff Loomis, Andy James, Joel Holkstra, uh, Marzi Montazari, uh, Tracy Guns, uh, Mike Kerr, Ethan Broch, um Oh my gosh, I got Todd Latore on there uh, with me. I got Rich Ward from Fozzie. I've got a lot of different guests, and it's really, really exciting. That is fantastic. Someone else here in the chat says uh, their daughter's got the uh, tier one. Where was it? Uh, see if I can find it. I just lost who said it. Oh, Gary Wiley says my daughter's getting tier one, so that's fantastic. Tier one. What we have, we have two different tiers. Tier one, meet and greet, and then we have tier two, which they get a lot of extra stuff, really cool stuff. They get to come and take a tour of the stage, pose with the guitar, sit on the drum kit, and then we're also given away uh, to whoever wins it uh, one of these import Washburn guitars. Nice. Very so it's cool. it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. Oh, it's good to enter that for that for sure. So basically, it's kind of their uh, so whoever buys those gets put into a draw kind of things. That how it works? Exactly. It's not a raffle. Whoever buys a tier two meet and greet package automatically will be entered to win that guitar. Oh, that's great. And well, there will be one winner announced at the end of the tour. Nice. Well, let's let's wait and see who wins that. That'll be a nice big celebration for sure. What? It'll be great. And, and, you know, you never know. Maybe maybe Oz will win it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. I think someone's rigging the contest there. No, that's hilarious. Well, we've got about an ounce of, of battery power left, This and this this could be a very long answer, but we'll make it very short. With all these, you know, the talk of, you know, potentially producing Van Halen, the, the wish to produce Van Halen, which you might be able to do, um, has there been any talk of it? Have you talked to the camp? Have you kind of put feelers out to the camp, or is it just more of a, you know, guys, I'm here if you would like to uh, to have some coffees and talk? It's more of that, man. I mean, it, it's really just kind of a dream, and, and, and probably not a realistic dream, and that's okay. I mean, that that's reality. Uh, and, and I didn't mean to ruffle feathers and... And, and make people think I'm, a, I'm an egotistical jerk who, you know, is, is, is trying to be nasty and, and, and mean-spirited because I'm not. I just love Van Halen, and I know they have it in them to, to create another album that rivals the past. I believe that with all my heart, mind, and soul. And, you know, I'd love, I would love to be a guy that could help them achieve that, and I know I could be. Uh, but you know, Hey, it's, it's a pipe dream, but you never know, man. Uh, crazier things have happened. One of those things was, uh, I wound up uh, joining the band Boston. So there I never go. would have thought that would happen either. That's right. That's right. Last, before we go, have you heard how Eddie's doing with, I mean, he's very secretive obviously, and he's earned his retirement or whatever it is that he's doing at the moment. The only last photo I've ever seen of him current, you know, he'd bought a new motorcycle and was smiling and happy. Have you heard yeah. how he's doing? I haven't really. I mean, I hear little bits and pieces from uh, friends of mine uh, that that know him, and, and and you know, spend a little time with him here and there. 
and I've heard that he's that he's doing doing well and, and seems to be happy. And you know, I don't know Eddie personally. I've met him briefly, mm-hmm. uh, two times, because uh, my my wife uh, back in 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 those days wound up uh, being their makeup artist. Oh, very cool. For a few a few of their live videos and also their uh, their their live. Uh, uh, live concert i think it was in uh fresno uh she did their makeup for that so i got to go to the show and, and hang out and, uh, and and meet them uh but man i i don't know i wish i had more information that's okay on uh i hope he's doing well and i wish him nothing but the best and i i, I got i got this uh article that tracy and i did uh framed and signed by eddie adam framed it and eddie signed it that's so that beautiful was special. yeah very special very nice i'm trying to see who said it in the chat this could be a, this uh Krellbar says just crash eddie's house what you do is you go to the gate and you ring it and you say hey it's michael wait 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 it's the other michael there you go <laughs> don't hang up on me yet don't let, you know what i mean and i'm not here to sell you magazines so, you know that'd be hilarious oh so. man yeah well I, I I would never have the uh, the courage to go and crash Eddie's house. I know, I know. <laughs> no, that's very cool. But I think it's really cool as as we close here. I think it's really nice. It puts things in perspective for a lot of people because all of us here, including myself, are you know I don't want to use the word fanboys, but we're fans of all these rock stars of the Eddie Van Halens, of the Michael yeah. Sweets, of the you know the Tracy Guns and the the Vito Bradas, as you <laughs> talked about earlier. George Lynch. The list goes on and on and on and on which is a good thing to have a nice list of guitar heroes. But it's cool to see you having the same respect and admiration for these guys as well, too. And I kind of, I think it puts us all on a really cool, you know, plane. Hey man, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, You know, I love music. I love musicians. And when I, when I get inspired by somebody, I'm sold. Nice. That's what it's all about is inspiration. That's it for me, man. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not on a pedestal thinking like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like that for me. So these guys, I, I have nothing but the deepest respect uh, for all of the you know, all of the gentlemen that you just mentioned and, and then some. Uh, and, you know, it's just what it's all about is respect and, uh, you know, loving and respecting each other and supporting each other you know we couldn't have end this on a better note that's perfect for sure i want to thank you for spending your time with us this evening thank you for sharing this on your social media and thank you uh everyone tuning in in the chat we had a, a fantastic show this evening and i'm grateful that you reached out to me i'll come and see you i think it's the 15th i think it is you're in toronto i got a couple toronto buddies one of my buddies here that he's uh, i think he's rehearsing tonight guitar hack and maybe brian cote they look they live up in that area i'll round yeah. them up and we'll come out and we'll see you That'd be killer, Eric. Hey, thank you for having me on, brother. And thank you for, you know, always being behind us and waving that striper flag, that Michael Sweet flag. And no it problem. means the world, man. Thank you so much. You got it. I'll say goodbye to you off the air if you have any juice left. And any, anybody uh, that's still left in the chat, we've got a lot of people over there. Thank you so very, very much for watching. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you again here uh, very, very soon. Thanks for your patience yeah. on our internet issues. We'll see you soon, everybody. Until next time. Cheers. Hey, EVH Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook.
Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at EVHGearDiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.